0: Good morning, everyone. Hey, we're continuing our series of uh, stories about inspirational people, independent thinkers, who, uh, well, did their part to transform the world and make it a better place, or at least their corner of it. Uh, couple of, today, I want to share the stories of a couple of people that uh, confronted prejudices. And adversity, and uh, well, they they confronted it head on, so to speak. I think you're gonna like this. Hey, uh, today's program is sponsored in part by the delightful Wagon Wheel Motel in Cuba, Missouri, longest continuously operated motel on Route 66. And of course, we had a little bit of music here and road trip inspiring tunes from the road crew check them out at road crew 66 hey let's start with alberta ellis ah she was she worked at the uh, bell telephone company and uh but she had other uh, bigger ideas Uh, an african-american gal down in spring in missouri there were very very limited opportunities Uh, especially in the 1920s and 1930s. But, so she started a little place called Alberta's Snack Shack there in Springfield, Missouri. Served as a place to buy soda and candy for travelers. and Well, it kind of morphed into all kinds of things. Uh, (laughs) Let's see here. Well, shortly after uh, World War II, She decided to capitalize on the lack of dining and lodging options for African Americans on Route 66. So, with borrowed funds from other members of the family, she purchased the former city hospital, the 600 block of Benton Street, just a couple blocks north of City 66, and she converted it into a hotel. Initial advertisement for Alberta's hotel was by word of mouth and small advertisements in Quote, colored newspapers. By the early 1950s, the thriving business had grown to include a beauty salon, a dining room, a nightclub called the Rumpus Room, and a barber shop. It was a family-run enterprise. Rich, her grandfather, who had served in the army as a cook during the Spanish-American War and World War One, well, he took over operations of the dining room and a sister managed room service, and another sister handled the laundry. Sometime around 1953, Alberta Ellis purchased a 10-acre parcel of land to the west of Springfield and designated it as the farm. And she grew produce for the hotel, and she ran it as a bed and breakfast, and it had housing overflow from the hotel. Further expansion of business interest occurred with the establishment of a Crystal Palace, a uh, nightclub referred to as a jute joint on the corner of West Chestnut, which was City Route 66. The celebrity association with Alberta's Hotel is kind of lengthy. You have to realize segregated lodging, even people like Nat King Cole who sang a little song about getting your kicks on Route 66. He couldn't stay at most of the hotels that he performed at but he was a guest at alberta's and so was uh frankie lyman and well the harlem globetrotters and a few others the passage of the public accommodations act in 1960 eliminated the need for the niche market services offered by her various enterprises and by the time of her death in 1966 alberta's hotel had closed it's kind of a forgotten chapter, not only in Route 66 history, but uh, just in history in general. A little bit of inspiration that even if you're facing challenges, and there's no need, we've, you know, those stories have been told time and time again. Uh, but uh, the adversities of being African American and being a woman in those years in the South, you know, pretty daunting. She rose to the occasion. Alberta Ellis. An independent thinking and inspirational lady. Well, let's uh, talk about Victor Green. Victor Green was born in 1892. And he was an African-American fellow. He was born in New York City. Uh, He worked as a postal carrier in Harlem and he began collecting information on hotels, restaurants, and other businesses in the New York City area that would serve or cater to African Americans. In 1936, he published the information in a little pamphlet that was entitled, The Negro Motorist, Green Book. Well, it proved so popular that for the 1937 edition, he expanded coverage to include businesses throughout the United States. In the introduction, Green wrote, there will be a day sometime in the future when this guide will not have to be published. That's when we as a race will have equal rights and privileges in the United States. With each subsequent annual edition, demand exceeded the publication of 15,000 copies annually. This led Green, upon retirement from the post office, to establish a publishing office at 200 West 135th Street in Harlem, he hired a small staff expanded coverage to international destinations and that resulted in a name change to the negro traveler's green book in 1952 and in 1947 he established a vacation reservation service Uh, alberta's hotel was one of the properties listed in the green book marketed to african-american owned businesses such as murray's dude ranch the world's largest Negro dude ranch, said the advertisements. That was out near Apple Valley in California. And he marketed the to carefully chosen Caucasian-owned businesses. The book continued to grow in popularity through the 1940s and 1950s. One of the primary outlets was the, the Esso Gas Stations, one of the few franchises available to African Americans. By 1949, the directory had expanded to more than 80 pages, included advertisements from major companies such as Ford Motor Company, Esso and Resorts in Bermuda. A particular interest in this issue is the advertisement from Esso. Quote, As representatives of the Esso Standard Oil Company, we are pleased to recommend the Green Book to your travel convenience. Keep one on hand each year and when you're planning your trips let Oso Touring Service supply you with maps and routings. And for real happy motoring, use S.O. products and S.O. service whenever you find the Esso sign. With the post-war boom in travel, Green's publication gained in prominence and importance to the African-American motorist. An article in the Albuquerque Tribune, dated August 16, 1955, quotes a spokesman for the NAACP who lays the blame of a fatigue related accident near Klein's Corner on the lack of available lodging for African-Americans in New Mexico. Quote, Mr. Boyd said a recent survey by his committee showed that less than six percent of more than 100 motels and tourist courts on US-66 in Albuquerque were accepting Negro travelers. Shortly after passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Green suspended publication. And in the fall of 2010, the contributions made by Green and his guidebook were introduced to a new generation by Calvin Alexander Ramsey in a children's book entitled Ruth and the Green Book. And of course we had the movie recently about the Green Book. Well, there you go. Two very, very inspirational people, two people who rose to the challenge, met adversity, and prejudices head on, and, uh, Carved a fairly successful life for themselves, and made contributions that changed their corner of the world. Well, that's it for today, my friends. Join us Sunday morning for coffee with Jim. It's another going to be another grand adventure. Vaya con Dios, me, amigos. Adiós.